You're listening to The Served Up Show, a podcast that features inspiring beverage professionals and topic experts that share their passions through meaningful content. Your hostesses, Bridget Albert, is best known as the Market Fresh Mixologist, an industry mentor with over 25 years of experience. And I'm Julie Milroy, best known for my passion for leading change and helping others grow in their careers. Grab a cocktail and sit back. Let's learn how we can make a positive impact in our industry. Hey, y'all. Bridget here. Julie and I had the pleasure of chatting with Kyle Swartz and Melissa Downing. Kyle Swartz is the editor of Beverage Dynamics and Stateways magazines. He focuses on the retail side of the beverage alcohol industry, specifically what are the leading consumer trends, what are the next drink categories to pop, and how will improving technology and e-commerce continue shaping the future of retail? He is always looking to connect with innovative brands and people in the world of beverage alcohol. Melissa Dowling is the writer and editor of Cheers Magazine. She comes to us with a broad experience in both print and digital media. Currently, Cheers Magazine is a business magazine targeting executives at full-service restaurants and the on-premise editor also for the company's beverage alcohol research division. Other areas of expertise include e-commerce, catalog store retailing, hospitality, home decor, social media, so much. Melissa is truly a creative mind. Now, both Melissa and Kyle shared with Julie and I the insights to their career steps, their passion for the written word, and the good work that they do to spotlight individuals and brands in the beverage community. So go grab yourself a Maker's Mark hot toddy, folks, and enjoy the show. Melissa and Kyle, welcome to Served Up. Julie and I are really happy to have you both on today's show. Thank you. It's great to be here. It's very exciting to be on someone else's podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I know we're so used to being on the other side. This uh, really is a treat to be guests for once. Thank you so much for having us. You're very welcome. And we know the feeling. So we hope you enjoy today being the guests. (laughs) Yes. Um, Melissa, let's go ahead and start off with you. Can you tell us, you know, what drove you to the beverage industry? I always say it's such a either love it or you don't. So how did you get here? (laughs) Well, what really drove me was unemployment. You know, I had been in in another industry um, in publishing. I was covering direct marketing, um, you know, catalogs, Internet technology and and some, you know, regular retail. I was there for a long time and and I loved it. You know, so much was happening then with all the dot com stuff and you know, a lot of the sleepy catalog companies already knew how to fulfill products and um handle call service uh things like that. So it was really fun. I was there for a long time and um it was time to make a move, but the company decided to get more into events, so they eliminated the editor in chief position, which was me. So I just, I started, I thought I would freelance for a while and I I did start doing that, but, um, you know, I missed being part of a team and I missed making magazines, you know, as antiquated as it is. And one of my freelance gigs was writing a handbook for the, um, our Cheers and Beverage Dynamics parent company, the Beverage Information Group. And it just happened to me, their on-premise handbook. 
So, I mean, I've been to a lot of bars and restaurants and uh, I was into cocktails and things like that, but I, you know, I certainly wasn't a professional. So I just kind of dove into the research aspect and read like two years worth of Cheers magazines just to see what the news was, what the brands were. You know, it was just, it was really interesting work, but also because I'd had some kind of research writing background in, in, in addition to the magazines. It was sort of combining a fun topic with, you know, what I knew how to do. So uh, I finished that and was still freelancing and stuff. And then the, the position for the Cheers editor came open and I went for it. And here we are. <laughs> I love that. I'm so glad that you made it to where you are today. So, <laughs> incredible. Yeah. Kyle, what about you? You know, what really drove you to the beverage industry? So my joke is always that before I uh, wrote about alcohol, I wrote about politics. So I say that the politicians drove me to alcohol. <laughs> but, uh, you know, the truth is, I, you know, I, I wrote about politics for about five or six years. I was on the editorial board of a daily newspaper in central Connecticut. And my, my life consisted of uh, dealing with uh, politicians, their people and their most ardent followers all day, every day. And at some point, I kind of got sick of that lifestyle. So I was looking around for other journalism uh, opportunities and being an enormous craft beer nerd, as I was and still am, uh, I saw there was an opening for an editor at the alcohol trade magazines that Melissa and I work for. And I jumped at it. I interviewed and I got offered the position. I really was that simple, fortunately for me. That's great. I love I love to hear how um, everybody gets to stumble on this like very magical, dynamic industry, you know, and then being able to provide and utilize your core skill set and, and transition to something fun. You know, a joke that we always use is, well, we could be selling copy machines or something like that. So, Melissa, when did you take over being editor of chief, uh, chief editor at Cheers. And like, how long has that journey been? And, and what is your day-to-day -day involve? Um, I started with as editor in July of 2012. So um, over nine years, I guess. Um, so day-to-day, -day, it's it depends on a million things. I might be podcasting, you know, <laughs> um, the, doing a regular line editing of articles, writing stories and profiles. Um, I'm trying to think what else, just the website, you know, a lot of it for cheers is, is cocktails, of course, but right now I'm being inundated with Halloween cocktail recipes, <laughs> which are, they're really good. I mean, people just go all out for Halloween, you know, more than any other holiday. So I probably have like 200 to go through and pick out the best 10. Amazing. Um, so things like that are the recipes you think is a no brainer. And like, it's not writing an article or interviewing anyone, but it's incredibly time consuming, you know, to standardize the recipes and format fractions and, you know, size the photos. Um, but it's really important for what we do, especially the seasonal aspects. So that, that depending on the season, that, that does take a lot of time. I can a million other things. I know. You're like, let me just go through my list. I guess I just I know that, you know, an editor is a very big role and it's a lot of responsibility. And I guess I just never really understood, you know, because we've we've interviewed a few writers on on served up and um 
you know, it's always submitting it to the editor, right? So what happens when it comes to you? Like, do you make the final, does everybody submit articles and you make the final decisions on what gets published? And are you literally editing everything? Or do you have like a team of people that help you edit? I just, I I guess I kind of see that role as like the head chef, like they make sure everything gets done, but they're not necessarily doing everything unless you are. (laughs) Well, usually you're right. That's how it would be. Uh, Today, things are a little more smaller and streamlined. So I I do line edit everything. Um, And then Kyle and I kind of proofread each other's layouts and things like that. But we have an editorial calendar. So it has all like the topics, you know, you got to cover like um, the vodka category, just all the major spirit categories, beer, wines, things like that. So those we will assign out um, or write in-house and we know those are coming. But for Cheers, some of it comes to us. Um, I just wrote about something. There's a place in San Diego that has a cocktail program based all around the city's Balboa Park. So each cocktail is named after, you know, a fountain or tree in the park and, you know, nice, uh, delicious looking recipes, good photographs, and just like, you know, something different. It's like, here's something you could do in your city, you know, some, Mm -hmm. an idea that you could steal or borrow or whatever. So you just never know what's going to come to you. And then another one, um, it sounded really boring at first. A couple of lawyers wanted to write about, you know, hiring and retaining talent, you know, right now, which is so it's always important, but especially right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I'll look, do a draft. I'll look at it. And uh, they sent it in and it's actually uh, there's good information, but it's also quite well written. You know, it didn't need a lot of work. So that was uh that was a real treat. So I'll just find some art to go with it. And like that, that's a column I didn't know that, that I was going to have. So it's, uh, it used to be a lot more buttoned down. I think things, the pace of things is just so much faster Mm -hmm. and, you know, things you might throw up on the website or blog about, or, you know, it's just, you just never know. So it's, it's a lot more fast paced. Yeah, that that puts it into perspective. So you so people um, that write articles and do different articles can just kind of submit it to you and um, and you'll go through and see if it's something that you want to publish. Like there's a section of that. Mm -hmm. And and, and besides in-house as well, things that you guys write directly. Of course. Yeah. And and I mean, sometimes they're just disastrous, you know, (laughs) a a company that specialize in footwear for, you know, restaurants behind the bar and and chefs. (laughs) They wanted to get the restaurant shoes. (laughs) Yeah. The the real, the, um, Crocs looking things. (laughs) Um, they could probably write a really good safety article. Um, this particular company did not, it was very much about keep going back to buying shoes and buying these shoes in particular. So it just, you know, a lot of times it just doesn't work, but I'll, I'll take a look at anything, you know, just right now with a small staff and budgets limited, you know, it's, I'm a little more open to things, but that doesn't mean I would put in a piece of crap, you know? Yeah. Pieces are tough to deal with. Absolutely. Kyle, kind of the same question to you. You know, what does your day to day at the magazine look like? 
So I, I always like to say, you know, you can take the writer out of the newspaper, but you can't take the newspaper out of the writer. So I, I like the fast-paced nature of uh, newspapers. I do miss them, but it's not necessarily as fast-paced as trade magazines, of course, because, you know, we come out once every other month. So I try to stay on top of all of the latest breaking news in the alcohol world and post it. Um, on Beverage Dynamics, you know, all of the latest um, uh, releases, you know, this time of year, certainly very busy because it's quote unquote bourbon hunting season when all of the major distilleries are, re- are releasing their uh, most sought after whiskeys of the entire year. For instance, Buffalo Trace uh, Antique Collection just came out. So, you know, as soon as that email arrives in my inbox, I want to get it online right away. Uh, but as Melissa said, too, it's a lot of editing. You know, Melissa and I are both uh, experienced editors. We're just used to it. You you know, people always talk about it's tough being a writer, it's tough being an editor, but like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. So Melissa and I can just, you know, fly through editing. Um, you know, a lot of it lands on our uh, to-do list. And that is a lot of time spent just going through pieces, editing them, you know, editing press releases for the website as well. It's something you have to enjoy, of course. And, uh, you know, thankfully, I think the two of us enjoy it a lot. Uh, Melissa mentioned too, that we do edit each other's work. And something I always like to point out is funny when, when you edit someone's work so long, you really learn their tendencies. I always think it's funny. I say every editor has a form of punctuation that's their favorite. Uh, Melissa's obsessed with semicolons, whereas I'm obsessed with hyphens. And so she and I are constantly doing semicolons and hyphens in each other's work. I mean, that's the kind of thing you get when you work with someone as many years as Melissa and I have been together. Oh, that sounds so nerdy. (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. And you have like you have previous editors in your head, like this is the way this is, and this is the mm-hmm. way that is. And, and, you know, my style is kind of some associated press, a lot of Chicago style manual, you know, based on another editor that I worked with for a long time. And Kyle's is total newspaper style. And I'm like, true. Don't do that in a headline. <laughs> <laughs> now we're just like, whatever is it? Now you're used right? to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's spelled we right. Both, yeah. we, we, we both have hybrid styles for sure. Melissa's absolutely correct. My old boss from the newspaper, the editorial page editor, lives forever in my brain. I can't unhear him. I hear him every day of my life uh, telling me how to edit. And it's, you can't get rid of those old editors. They're with you forever. Yeah. Well, interesting enough, it's, you know, that we have a hospitality podcast and we've actually had quite a few writers on, and this has been a topic that we've had. Um, we met one Lincoln Chinnery and he's been doing, um, amazing articles. He started by just taking on a job, I think for like an LGBTQ magazine that wanted him to go, you know, write about the local gay bars. And so we started doing that and started learning hospitality. And now he writes incredible articles. So we'll have to tell him to send you over some of his work. But um, we also had David Wandrich on and, and quite a few people that have published books and they, you know, they owe so much to their edit, to the editors. I think David Wandrich was talking about that, like how his editor just was such a foundational part of his success in his work. So you hear yeah. that writers be nice, your editors. Yeah. (laughs) So, Melissa, in the you know, you've been in the industry um, for a while in your role, really diving into on premise and and, you know, looking at all the innovative stuff and the challenges and the issues. And obviously the on premise has been flipped upside down. And, you know, Bridget and I feel the pain because we are also dedicated to the on premise. What have you seen over the last decade and um, and what do you see for the future based on what's happened the last year and a half? I think, 
even before COVID and people started making their own drinks at home, you know, the, the standards have been raised for quite a while. You know, when I started with Cheers or maybe just before the craft cocktail revolution was happening in the big cities and starting to spread to the smaller markets, the chain restaurants were starting to pick up on that. Like, hey, maybe we need to do some fresh citrus or nicer garnishes. So I've just, I've been seeing that continue and um, just uh, the consumer expectations are, are higher. So if you don't meet that, you're going to lose that drink order and they might default to a beer or a glass of wine, which there's nothing wrong with. But if, if they came out for a cocktail experience and you've, you don't even have a menu, you know, you just kind of leave it up to them. Well, what are and the bartender might say, oh, well, I can make whatever you want. It's like, that's not helpful, you know, (laughs) unless you can start a dialogue, like what kind of flavors do you like and all that. But some people just don't want that. They want to look at a menu, look at the flavors, what's in it and, you know, go from there. So I think that's, that's a big thing. And um, let me see what else, you know, the whole non-alcoholic or low alcohol thing has just exploded, you know, in the past, I would say two years and just the attention paid to, to those drinks now, because again, if you don't drink alcohol and you go out and there's nothing for you, you're going to get a seltzer or something, or you're going to have water. You're going to lose that, that sale and that experience. So um, I think that has, you know, there's just, there's no more stigma attached to that. Again, the, the, the standards are very high, the expectations and now that this whole industry of making no spirit spirits, you know, to really um, create the same kind of beverage, same kind of texture and so on. It's, it's just completely different now. I think that's a big one. Yeah. I think um, the low elk, non elk is, is definitely going to continue to grow, especially as there is a concern with alcohol consumption and, you know, especially with more people leaning towards alcohol during difficult times. And, and that was a topic that was brought up um, today at the WSWA. So Kyle, same question to you. What do you see? Like, what are, you know, in your time in the industry, what have the changes been and, and what do you see in the future? You know, what I've seen uh, in recent years is that, you know, obviously we were talking about the on-premise and sadly they had such a tough time during COVID. You know, obviously we all tried to help out on-premise as much as we could, but the, uh, you know, perhaps unintended, you know, uh, consequences there is that retail had a very good time during uh, COVID because everybody was going uh, to the uh, local liquor stores to buy their products and they're still, their sales are quite elevated even today. I had it described during a conference by a retailer that it was like inflating a balloon and the air is slowly coming out, uh, but there's still quite a lot of air left in there. So the retailers continue to do very well. One of the biggest changes I've seen is that consumers know more about alcohol today than they ever have. The level of knowledge among consumers is enormous. I think one area where you really see this is whiskey, which is obviously uh, going through a, a golden era right now. The amount of uh, consumers who know the mash bills, the distilleries, the distillers themselves, I mean, they know individual recipes. There are people who can go in and, you know, stores are picking their own whiskeys now, which is another big um, development in recent time. But they'll pick a Four Roses single barrel and the consumers will go in and know exactly which of their, I forget, it's 10 to 12 mash bills. They know it exactly. So consumers have never been smarter about what they're drinking. I do also want to um, reiterate what Melissa was saying. The lower ABV and no ABV movement certainly has taken hold. 
uh, she had mentioned that there really is no social stigma anymore for people who go out and don't want to drink alcohol, which is great. There shouldn't be a social stigma. If you don't want to drink alcohol, don't drink it. But now they have such a wide range of fantastic options that you know, there's no reason not to order a delicious mocktail or uh, there's so many beers out there, no ABV beers that taste delicious, especially in the craft beer. There's craft breweries that specialize in no ABV beers that make products that taste just as good as uh, craft beers with uh, alcohol in them and across a wide range of flavors. I had a peach goza the other day that was no ABV that tasted like a real peach goza. I couldn't believe it. It's a brewery I respect a lot. So I'm I wasn't surprised they made such a good product, but my goodness, I mean, we're in a day and age where you can make a peach goza without alcohol that tastes like a real peach goza. It's incredible. (laughs) That is amazing. I would like to try that, actually. Um, You know, let's just keep it here with with you, Kyle. You know, through what we've gone through with the pandemic, you know, with COVID, we're still um, in the pandemic and through the social uprising that happened last year. What changes have you seen? What some positive changes, let's say, have you seen um, within the beverage industry? I'm glad you brought that up. There's something actually I wanted to uh, give a shout out to a female um, alcohol writer who I thought did a lot of good in the industry last year. I'm sure you've uh, interviewed or dealt with Becky Paskin, a co-founder of Our Whiskey and the former editor of ScotchWhiskey.com. You know, last year, Becky took a stand against the use of sexist language in whiskey reviews, and she got a lot of support. And I thought, obviously, including myself, I thought that was a watershed moment uh, in the whiskey journalism industry with worldwide implications. Uh, Becky really helped to bring the industry forward into a better place with more respect for women. But, you know, beyond that as well, there's so many brands right now founded by uh, by women, by minority members, and the industry is doing such a good job of incubating those, bringing them to the forefront you know, giving them the opportunities that perhaps were not there in the past. So I think that's a wonderful thing. We certainly support it uh, at our magazines. Melissa just did a wonderful job with her women in beverage feature. Uh, so we're, we're 100% behind, which of course you two were featured in. Uh, so there's a lot of great stuff going on right now. And I look forward to seeing it continuing. Amen. I do too. I loved your answer. Thank you. And, you know, Melissa, um, same question to you. What what have you seen? What positive changes have you seen um, as we are hopefully coming out of this pandemic within the beverage industry? Restaurants embraced you know, the off-premise. Um, you know, they didn't really have a choice. It, it was that or nothing. So, but because that consumer behavior is, is, is probably going to stick, you know, assuming that it's still legal to do. You know, being able to batch and bottle cocktails and and have that to be, you know, people are not going to stop ordering food to go. So rather than lose that bar sale, you know, being able to embrace cocktails to go figure out what's going to travel well and how what you're going to put it in, you know, the whole what makes a good vessel for cocktails to go is a big thing. So I think that technology, you know, people with the tablet menus or the QR codes, some people love them, some people hate them. So I think it's just kind of figuring out how technology can help and what to still use as the on-premise, you know, comes back to life, you know, for that in-person experience. And and another thing, I don't know if we've seen it happening so much, but I think with the whole, you know, Me Too movement and so on, there's been a lot of bad behavior in in the on-premise forever, (laughs) but uh, I just don't think it will be tolerated as much and and it shouldn't be. So I think that that's come to the forefront. It may be more viable career for women or something to stay in or or, or to, you know, move ahead too. you know, it's just 
the previous sexual uh, sexist behavior, I think, is not going to be tolerated. So that that's kind of happening now and ongoing. But, you know, I, I'm hopeful that it will continue. I agree. I mean, it's about time. right? And, yeah. and I think, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about that um, the last time. And I think just with the last year that I think more people are are becoming more and more bold and, and brave to speak up and, and really know that if we don't, it won't change. Tell us a little bit about your, you know, your latest fall edition and what inspired you to put this insert in um, for Women in Beverage and what did you learn from it? It's nothing new, right? Women in Beverage and, and leading innovation in the spirits industry. It's been going on since, you know, before Prohibition. So, you know, what inspired you and, and Cheers to put that insert in and, um, and what was your biggest learning from that? Well, it's actually something we've been meaning to do for a long time and like almost did it a few years ago. And just, I guess the timing was just never right, or it's a lot of work to put together. And there's, you know, as you mentioned, there's so many women in the industry. I think before I was looking at more historical figures, you know, but in executing it, we focus more on people, right. You know, who are in the business right now, kind of how did you get into the business? It's always interesting to see, hear about how people got into their career. And a lot of them are family businesses where, you know, I grew up, you know, in the liquor store business and I just knew what to do and I loved it. And the same with a restaurant, if you've kind of grown up in that and felt that energy and kind of making people happy, it's hard to imagine doing anything else. It's, uh, I'm trying to think of any specifics that came out because, you know, all the stories were just so interesting. But um, I guess women have tried to help each other, especially in this business. You know, I think in the on premise, you know, we talked about some of the issues, but also in the off premise of so the, the liquor business in general has historically been an old boys network. And as much as there have always been women involved, you know, it can be it can be hard to to break through or be seen sometime. And that's that's changing as more women, you know, rise to the top and don't tolerate certain things and also try try to help others. I wish I could think of specific from the article. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. I think I mean it's it is great. You know, I think that there is this new resurgence and attention to the contribution of woman in the industry. Um, there was a recent, uh, the latest McKinsey uh, woman in the workplace report that came out. And, and we know that, you know, there was a huge exodus of, of women in the workplace um, over COVID, you know, just because of making the choices to take care of their families and um, and specifically, what's also interesting is with the social uprise, the a lot of the individuals that really took that to work and and really drove initiatives um, were women as well. DNI initiatives, you know. So not only are they challenged with making sure that their family is okay and homeschooling, they also want to help the environment at work. And um, and it's it, it can be exhausting, but it's it's very important, right? Kyle, um, how involved um, were you in that article? Were you helping Melissa edit and um, getting that to life as well? 
I did help oh. her edit. I mean, obviously, no. it, was mostly, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it was mostly Melissa. Melissa did such a wonderful job on that. She did the vast amount of the work on that. 99% of the work, if not 99.9%. I did help out a little. I, I did, I did make some suggestions for uh, potential uh, inclusions, including, you know, I wanted to, as, as long as I'm uh, giving some praise to some um, female writers, I, I enjoy much. Um, I've always been an enormous fan of Maggie Kimbrell. If you haven't had her on the podcast, you absolutely should. Uh, editor of American Whiskey Magazine and president of Bourbon Women Association. Speaking of organizations that do a lot of great work for women, I know we talked about this uh, when you uh, both came onto our podcast, and I realized afterwards we were remiss in mentioning Bourbon Women Association, another wonderful organization out there founded by uh, the living legend Peggy No Stevens. So I just wanted to say that's another great one, uh, resource that I feel like a lot of women have reached out to and have really made a positive impact. That's wonderful. You know, I'm looking forward to the day and I hope we see it in our lifetime where it's just, we don't need to lean in on the women or the LGBTQ or the black, you know, organizations. I'm really hoping that in our lifetime that we are all have equity within the sector of business that we work. But for now, it is wonderful that we have these organizations that do help to spotlight and uplift great work. So I appreciate you mentioning those and they're important. They're so important to what we try to do each and every day in this industry, for sure. Kyle, I'm going to keep it with you. What are some exciting things that you are seeing in the industry You've written so many articles, both of you, you're, you edit, you know, you're, you're really um, ahead of the curve, right? You, you're seeing things before the readers do, which is you have that sneak peek, almost like the Oz, which is amazing. So tell us what are some of those really exciting, maybe either trends, some spirits that you're seeing. Can you give us kind of a sneak peek for 2022? Absolutely. Be happy to. You know, so this trend really popped over the last year. So it's not as much a sneak peek as acknowledging something that's really driving the market right now. And I alluded to it briefly earlier, but that is the store pick whiskeys that you're seeing at uh, retail locations right now and at clubs as well. This is where the uh, the store or the club will go to a distillery, taste through a number of whiskey picks, pick one in particular, they'll bottle it, and then they'll have that for sale usually months later when it comes in. And what this allows uh, stores and clubs to do is to get their own unique whiskey. And in today's day and age where the whiskey category is absolutely exploding and a lot of the uh, rarer or most sought after whiskeys are almost impossible to find, you know, in order to get a lot of the really good um, uh, whiskeys, you have to go into a secondary market, unfortunately, and spend an exorbitant amount of money. Or you can go to a retail store and you can see whatever their whiskey pick is and you can buy that. And honestly, it's just as rare, if not more rare. Than the allocated bottles that you buy in the secondary market because these whiskey picks are one-offs. You know, you're not going to get anything that tastes like that ever again. That's a single barrel. And it has the store's name on it and it's unique to your collection. So uh, you know, if you if you can't find the very rare stuff, which is the most of us, uh, I would recommend buying those bottles. Two years ago, nobody was doing these. There are a very small number of people. Now everybody does them. Uh, something I think is going to continue to grow, you know, certainly RTDs. I think the RTD category, can RTDs, uh, will continue to push into the premiumization side. You know, I was just at NBWA conference uh, over uh, last week, uh, and the amount of high-end RTDs I saw among the exhibitors was, uh, you know, certainly eye-opening. These products taste delicious. Also well at that conference and getting a good look into the future ahead, I saw a lot of CBD drinks. You know, I think CBD beverages, they're still very, very small in number, very niche. 
uh, but they're coming out and the quality has improved dramatically in those products in the last three years, thanks to some scientific breakthroughs involving the uh, solubility, if I said that pronounced, if I pronounced that correctly, mm-hmm. of uh, cannabinoids. So there's a lot of CBD beverages coming out right now in the next couple of years that I think are going to be really high quality. They're going to be functional as well. You know, they're created to help people sleep or they're created to give you some energy or they're created to help you uh, calm down. So there's a real high level of functionality to these products. And I think we're still very much on the beginning of that trend. I just one more I wanted to mention. I, I see no end in sight to hard seltzer. Um, I know hard seltzer, some of the larger brands had to recalibrate their sales downward over the summer. Um, but I don't think that's because the category is disappearing or hitting any kind of plateau. I think it's actually because consumers are moving around a lot in the category, by which I mean, I think a lot of the smaller brands are about to have their uh, time in the sun. Uh, so I look for a lot of craft hard seltzers, again, premiumization, higher end hard seltzers to really tap into uh, the consumer uh, desire for these products. You know, just beca- again, just because the big boys are coming down a little bit, that doesn't mean there's still not a lot of room for growth ahead. I think there's a lot of growth in hard seltzer left. Yeah, boy. And, you know, even um, a lot of the breweries, like you mentioned, you know, have their own lines of hard seltzers um, as well. So that is definitely um, a big one for sure. And for our listeners that maybe are not familiar with with our lingo here, RTD means ready to drink. So it's it's those cocktails that you find in in the cans. And so, Melissa, you know, I would like to kind of stay on that topic of, of RTDs for just a minute. And if you can talk to us about some of the more niche or unique RTDs that you've seen um, that you that you're experiencing, and maybe some predictions for 2022. I'm not sure how they're going to fit into the on-premise. You know, unless you didn't have a full bar or something, it seems kind of weird to me to go out and order, you know, a canned cocktail. But I said the same thing about hard seltzer and I was totally wrong. You know, it's thriving on premise and um places are ordering it, offering it on tap now. So I I don't really know how it's going to fit in, but one of the trends we've seen with that is some of the like craft cocktail bars have come out with their own brand of of ready to drink, you know, some of their signature drinks. So, you know, that that could be something. You know, you don't have to go out to the bar to get this, you know, the, the same drink, but it's not like, a, you know, a mainstream screwdriver or, you know, one of the simpler cocktails. So I, I think they're great for like patios and things like that. I just, I don't really know how they're going to fit in. And there's like the hard seltzer, there's just so many of them and they just keep coming. You know, how do you distinguish, how do you decide what you're going to stock? Um, so that's still an open question, but, uh, another thing I'm starting to see coming behind the hard seltzer is, uh, hard iced tea. You know, it's been around for a while, but a lot of, you know, I'm just seeing a lot more coming out right now. So I guess there's a demand for that, or maybe hope that there's a, a demand for that. I'm trying to think what else, uh, just as a general product thing where I'm starting to see a lot of lemonade flavored vodka, which is kind of weird because there's tons of citrus flavored vodkas, but it's specifically lemonade. And, and even a subset is pink lemonade. You know, I, I think there are like three or four brands out, you know, that came out in the past six months. Just to go back to what some of the trends on premise, um, I think different bottle sizes, especially when it comes to wine, because during, you know, 
COVID, even people that weren't going out didn't want to buy a magnum of wine. You know, they didn't even want a full bottle because they didn't want to linger there. So, you know, suddenly half bottles got very popular or, or you know, little splits. So, um, especially with sparkling wine, the, the splits are popular because they're, they're really cute and you know, it's fresh. So I, I could see that continuing. As the on-premise comes back, I think we will see more of the larger bottle sizes come back. And also the return of flights, you know, people stop doing spirit flights, you know, where you you sample three different whiskeys or beers or wines or things like that. A lot of people just stopped doing that because people didn't want to linger at the bar. They didn't want that dialogue, um, you know, with the server or bartender. So I think we're starting to see those come back and even um, like cocktail flights, which I think is such a fun idea. I know BJ's Brew House just launched a a margarita flight that is just like the cutest thing, four different flavors. And it's like, you know, I assume it's the equivalent of one drink, maybe one big drink, but you know, you get your flavors, you don't have to choose and it's just fun. And you can only imagine it going through the the dining room and people saying, what is that? Give me that, you know? Definitely. I think that, you know, all those things that you pointed out are, you know, where the on-premise is, is starting to go. And I just think it's incredible the amount of choices and options um, that there are. I know that for our retailers, it's challenging because there are so many brands and so many SKUs um, to offer to the community. And it's really kind of what does the consumer want, you know? Are they loyal to brands anymore? Will they just try anything new? You know, will that stop their consumption or increase their consumption? Uh, but I think it's important that it is a fair playing field and that competition can exist. And um, and I know that all these restaurants you mentioned, BJ's, but even like Yard House, you know, that was predominantly sports bar, now you know, offering spirits on draft and um, draft cocktails, which. Um, has been a a really cool trend. Um, And then just like the to-go, like you mentioned, you know, I think Chili's was one that got off on it right away and offering their their special $5 margarita to go. I mean, how great, right? Like you order your nachos and you get to have that same fun experience at home in a socially you know, distant uh, atmosphere, but I think we're all sick of being socially distant and we want to be out there and, um, and interact with each other. So I really appreciate both of you sharing your insights and giving us a peek behind the curtain at Cheers. Um, I personally am just so impressed with um, the content that you guys are putting out the magazine um, for all of our listeners, definitely get online. Um, tell us the website again, Kyle. I, uh, beverage dynamics, beverage dynamics.com. Okay. Beverage dynamics. So make sure to get on there, look at their fall edition, especially at the end of the magazine at the woman insert. So you could read all about the woman changing the industry and, um, good luck. And we look forward to tuning in on your podcast on off. And where don't, can our don't listeners forget find Cheers us? Online. <laughs> cheers Online. Yes. Cheers <laughs> Online. Sorry. That's what I was referring to. But Kyle plugged in Beverage Dynamics. Cheers <laughs> Online. Plug my magazine. <laughs> and, and there's Cheers at Home Online. I hope that's the right address. But, um, you know, it's aimed at the kind of amateur mixologist. So it has a lot of recipes, some food pairings and things like that. So 
um, check it out. Yes. Cheersonline.com. That's where you'll see the fall edition of uh, Cheers. That includes the women's edition, cheersonline.com and cheersonline at home.com. I haven't seen that one. I'm definitely going to check it up because I've been sprucing up my mixology skills as well. So for all of our listeners, tune in there and you'll find Kyle and Melissa on their podcast on off and they can find that anywhere. Spotify. It's also posted on our websites, Spotify and on the website. So Mm -hmm. um, thank you very much for joining us. It was a great conversation and we will be in touch. We are so just thrilled that you took the time with us today. Um, We love all the good work that you do for the beverage community. Thank you for your support. It's amazing what you are both doing and contributing to the fabric that makes up our community. So thank you. And on behalf of Julie and I and Served Up, you know, I just want to wish you a lot of great health during this time that we're living in, especially, and a ton of peace. So thank you and cheers to you both. Oh, thanks very much. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Served Up is brought to you by Southern Glazers Wine and Spirits. Produced by Zunu.online. Music by We Kill the Lion can be found on Spotify. Make sure to subscribe to be notified of future Served Up episodes. Cheers!